This is the Desperate Mothers Podcast. Oh my. Check out what these desperate mother are up to this week. Okay, welcome to the Desperate Mother Podcast. I'm CJ Watson. I'm Jason Rice. And I'm Jack Fisher. If you did your homework for this week, folks, you read Honor Harrington, Tales of Honor, Tales of Basilisks, and Space Stations. Oh, it was, there was, I was really pissed. There was no basilisk on the space station. I'm expecting Gorgons at least or something, but yeah. none of that. I got none of that. So it was uh, what's what was the proper title? Uh, it was uh, Tales of Honor Volume One on Basilisk Station. Okay, but there was no basilisk. No, uh, Basilisk Station is a space station protecting the uh, uh, the travel hub of a star system, which is like a wormhole. Yeah, it's it's a wormhole. It facilitates long distance travel between um, uh, different star systems. So these these wormholes become strategic uh, value to uh, empires because you can use them to move around space quickly. Okay. So in the story, we meet Honor Harrington, and as soon as we meet her, she's in chains. And I normally I'm down with that because I you know grew up. Big fan of Star Wars and stuff, and immediately when Who you doesn't think like our, a little slave, Leia. yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, so when our, your heroine's in chains, I'm thinking she's immediately in a metal bikini too, and <laughs> yeah. it was totally not the case. Now the the graphic novel is completely out of sync with the first um, five novels in. Uh, the novels are much more chronologically uh, linear. Whereas in the graphic novel, they start um, with Honor Harrington as she'd be... I I forget whether it's novel five or novel six. Seven? Okay. So quite a ways... uh, Honor doesn't get captured and, and tortured until like book seven. So we are immediately thrust in with her on her way to being executed. Yeah, she, she's been captured, she's been tried, she's been convicted, and she's heading to execution. And so the graphic novel is telling things in, this, in the form of flashbacks. Now, you're a fan of flashbacks for storytelling? I like flashbacks they're, they're when device. they're done well. Yeah? I don't feel that this was done in the best way possible. This was done in a cheap way to book in the story and sandwich, you know, so readers can come in and get the gist of what's going on. I just felt it was not utilized to a, a drama- in a dramatic fashion. It was yeah. more like, let me tell you a story, so, kids. This it, is the time that I uh, got into trouble. Yeah, see? So it was more of a mechanic like in How I Met Your Mother. It, it was the shtick, you know. You, yeah. you open the show with the kids sitting on the couch and listening to a story about how I met your mother, and at the beginning of the next episode, you're and ultimately you're just waiting for the twist because you know she doesn't get executed. Well, you know she doesn't die in the story because she's telling the story. Yeah, but you, you're you're waiting for when the current story is going to take place. Like when is she going to get to the to the 
her her destination in order to be executed, and we can really get this story started. That's what I'm waiting for. I mean, if this ends with her getting executed, I might throw a kudos or two their way. I'm like saying, okay, that was kind of interesting, but still dumb. Yeah. I felt that it took a really long time to get rolling, and I saw that they wanted me to actually care about these characters that they were in- introducing, but I really didn't feel that connection. I just didn't care about these people. Well, when none they of the died, characters... There was no build-up for these I, characters. B- because I think that using the flashback as the story device imparted, I mean, kind of built in a disconnect with the reader. Yeah. Like, the only one I felt connected to was Honor, and that's because I was waiting for her to break out of there and kick some butt, like a comic book hero should. Because yeah. I'm reading a comic book. Yeah. And so I I just felt, okay, these people around her I don't care about, and it's taking a really long time to get to any action. Yeah, when when people died, it was all like, oh. So what? Yeah, because I know you weren't standing there, like, next to Honor. and Well, they they didn't really... They didn't call out who was sacrificing their life and who was dying. I mean, they impl- they implied that there were deaths going on, but um, there was no uh, there was no moment where um, Kirk was cradling Spock's head as his body disintegrated from you know massive doses of radiations or anything like that. Um, you know, you saw panels where there are explosions and bodies floating, but... Um, and you didn't know who was getting sucked out in space. And- yeah, you didn't know who was getting sucked out into space. You weren't really sure if the person that they'd mentioned a panel or two earlier had actually sacrificed themselves. Yeah, like, the only one that I knew I should have cared about was the engineer, who sacrifices themselves to save the ship. But I didn't. Because you never really got to know You didn't know the engineer. You saw her maybe five times. I I, I thought it suffered from trying to take um, a 400-page novel and compress it down into uh, five floppies. In the novel, they had plenty of time to develop the story to to hook you in to introduce you to the characters to give their backstory to give the the personal connection okay so the wonderful thing about comic books and i love comic books obviously i mean even though i haven't i haven't shown anybody at home that i'm I'm writing them or reading them or, or doing anything but i had a comic book store and i've always been a big proponent of comics comics the whole reason i went to college is to be a better comic artist and all that and writer comic books can do anything You've got 24 wide-open pages in a floppy, and the only limit is your imagination. And a picture is worth a thousand words. But sometimes you can put prose on a page. I was a big fan of, like, you know, a lot of stories in comic books. I love the the words and pictures comics where you get a graphic novel, and then you get four pages of story. Because you know what? A comic book page, print can get pretty small. You can get a few thousand words there, a couple (laughs) thousand words on a comic. Neil Gaiman did that with Stardust. It was amazing. Yeah. 
And it gives you that chance to get connected. And, and this was something they could have very easily done. I mean, if they got the rights to the character, they could have given us excerpts from the book as backstory and really got the reader hooked that way. And it cost you, what, a letters page, an advertisement, maybe one less graphic page or one less page that gets repeated? Because there were repeated panels in, in, yeah. in that graphic novel. Now, I did like the art. That was probably the one thing that, I enjoyed about the book. See, there were a couple things. The painted art style, couple scenes truly excelled. But aside from the couple of great um, space panels, it really was lost. There was a lot of detail lost. Um, it looked like there's some cheap cop-outs in the back of the panels where they had taken a picture and just uh, ran it through a blur filter. You know, and, and there was a scene. I swear to God, it looked like they took one of the um, one of the array pictures off the planet of Endor and just turned it into a panel. You know, with the satellite yeah. dish peeking out the the forest. You know which one I'm talking yeah, about. I know exactly you know which that one scene. you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, that was strange. I'm like, <laughs> all right, these guys are just cheesing it now. <laughs> if you don't want to draw the background, don't draw the background. Um, but don't give me some digitized blur of something else. Yeah. Um, but that was the whole point of that particular panel. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was torn because I... Yeah, and and oh, they were attacking Pandora. I was sure <laughs> yeah. that they were attacking Pandora. <laughs> Didn't it look like it? <laughs> Was the book described as Pandora? <laughs> no. no. The, um, the Stilties did not live on Pandora. The eight-foot-tall um, indigenous tribal species, they, that wasn't Pandora? Well, the book has been around for 20 years plus. So okay, this so, was long so, before... So it gets cred for happening before. Doesn't mean it's okay to, to <laughs> cop the pictures from. Yeah. I, just, I think that it... That it took a hit from the fact that I'm almost positive that the book took a really long time to get to action sequences because it was building character. And the comic took a hit because it was... It didn't take any time to build character. It didn't build any character, but it still took a long time to get to action. It really got full of military circumstance. Yeah. And and the way things are done in an almost bureaucratic fashion in the military without letting us connect to anyone or anything. Why did I care about... Uh, why do I care about uh, the government that honor serves? It seems, you know, pretty oppressive and, and class-based like ours. I mean... <laughs> I, I can see, but they don't let you have any reason to feel like every man's life depends on each that, other on the ship. One thing that they didn't do in the graphic novel is they didn't really tell you why the people that they were fighting against were so heinous. I mean, if you read, like in the very front of the, the, the graphic novel, yeah, the Havenites. The, the Republic of Haven. Um, Which sounds like a nice place. It sounds like a great place, but it's actually this incredibly backwards, repressive dictatorship that masquerades it, it's masquerades as a, uh, a democracy uh, or a republic. Um, 
And you don't really get that unless you're it, you sat down and read the like introduction, uh, which was the first couple of pages of the first issue of the graphic novel. Mm-hmm. They have a little bit of background and some maps and stuff like that. But you didn't have the sense of why you hated uh, the Havenites so much and why um, the kingdom of Manicor uh, needed to win out against um, the Republic of Haven. Yeah, I read the introduction, and it said Haven is an expansionist nation, and they're crumbling under their own weight, so they're taking over everybody else. That was the explanation. Although they're a welfare state. Yeah. So so because they feed everybody and take care of the poor, they are forced to expand and gobble up other systems. So it's kind. Of, <laughs> so I get. If, if you look at it that way, it's a combination of China, Rome, Russia, and the United States. Um, so Rome, you get the imperialistic expansion, taking over territories to pay to keep up the territories that you already captured mm-hmm. a year ago, and you just have this frantic expansion, and it's it's teetering on this implosion. But that's not. Anywhere it doesn't come across Anywhere. in the novel, in, in the graphic the, novel. In the graphic yeah. novel. Well, we only encounter like one or two Havenites in the whole five issue series. Yeah, and the two guys you do meet, you meet at the very end, and you don't talk to, except for the one chick who's torturing ha- uh, Harrington. Yeah, I gotta say this was paced badly. And, and those star fights that you were talking about, right? I mean, you paint a prettier picture than than they do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it really took a lot of like digesting to get the whole idea of the wedges and and you know their their what their gravity shields. Uh, the the wedges are a side effect of their star drives. Mm-hmm. So you have a forward impeller and you have a a rear impeller. And the impellers are what are moving the starship forward. Uh And as an artifact of the drive technology, you have these areas of uh, gravity wedges that are extremely difficult to penetrate with weapons. If, if, like I am, new to the Honorverse... Just coming in on the graphic novel, I've read the introduction. I had no idea what was going on for several points. And and I I get what you're saying. I I just look at the page that Jack has open, and I'm looking at it. I I don't know what page it is, but it's the one where it's got four panels, four character heads on it. That's pretty much how the writers treat us to the character depth is that we get a, a wanted poster with a little bio. So I don't know if we're learning about these people or trying to pick out like uh, a date with them from, uh, from Match.com <laughs> 2359 or whatever that is. And I really hate to come down on it so much because, I mean, the, some of the art and painting is really good. Backgrounds, like I said, I feel chintzed out on. Um, pacing was um, bad either because they tried to do too much or they tried to use a, um, the flashback as a device yeah. to, to even cram more stuff in. If you couldn't do it, you shouldn't do it. Yeah. I think they spent a lot of time on things they didn't need 
and skimped on things they definitely had to have. So, as a fan of the novels, I desperately wanted this graphic novel to be good. Uh, I wanted the the visualizations of the thing that things that I had been picturing in my head. I wanted to see how other people envisioned the stuff that I had read and formed my own mental images to. It's why you go to see a movie after you've read the book. You Mm want to see, okay, this is how I pictured it, and this is, oh, oh, that's an interesting idea. I hadn't thought of it that way. But I really think that the flashback, um, it cannibalized so many panels from the story that needed to go into telling the story. And if they had focused on nothing other than book one, uh, book one was Basilis Station. Um, if they'd focused on nothing else but book one, and I, I think that maybe book one was too ambitious for a five or six, uh, a five or six issue comic book. Yeah, and a good writer would have been able to take a chunk out of that book exactly. and turn it into a five-issue story. But they tried too hard to encapsulate the entire... Um, I, I don't remember how many pages are in the uh, uh, in the novel, but I'm, I'm thinking it's, it's at least 400 pages. And... Uh, it may have been as many as 500 pages in the original novel. But yeah, they they should have gone for a sub-story. If they had done nothing else than done a really in-depth description of the battle between um, Honor Harrington's light cruiser versus his Q-ship. And the Q-ship, it's... It's basically like taking a Coast Guard cutter and attacking a battleship. I think if they had just told the story of Honor Harrington and her crew through the mock battles. That would, uh, would have been one yeah, way actually, to go. And that's, that was something very important, which they, they briefly skimmed in the graphic novel, is... Everything that was leading up to her exile to this backward star system, um, and that's that was a good quarter of of the original novel is everything that led up to her being exiled to the star system. So what we didn't get a real taste for, and what we should have, and, and I agree with what you said, is we should have gotten a taste for her getting her command, her getting this crew. Going through the war games, winning at first, and then everything goes to shit. Not only does everything go to shit, now her relationship with her crew totally falls apart. And they get banished to the ass end of the galaxy. Yes. So now her crew, which were had doubts about her at the very beginning, have reason to positively hate her. And if they're going to frag anybody, that's who you're going to frag. You're going to frag the captain that comes in and just ruins Everything And every time you think that it can't get worse, it does get worse. And now they banished you. 
to the furthest place they can banish you to. If they could banish you any further, they would, but they can't because that's the ass end of the Empire, and things are going real bad for you guys. They they banish you to Tatooine. But they don't even express what you just gave us. Right. I mean, yeah. It's exactly what's going on, and that's why it should have seemed impossible to build that relationship back up with her, her crew, her XO. Her XO blabs three paragraphs, and suddenly he's like back in her best friend again. Yeah. That was crazy and forced and fast. Yeah. I'm, yeah, it took 80% of the book for him to get. Uh, and the book was 464 pages. So. Well, the comic right, was. Right between 400 and 500 uh, pages. Well, the, the five floppies were like 120 some pages. Yeah. So they should have done a better job. Yeah. You had room to tell a better story than you did. But I, I agree totally with, uh, with CJ. What they should have focused on is uh, the war games and uh, everything that led up to the banishment. Because then you could have gotten... I mean, because they stressed that they were playing war games with, with real physical ammunition, even though it wasn't... Uh, yeah, it, it was basically um, uh, with inert bombs. And then their programming disabled the ship appropriately. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, if you could have done that and could have made us feel that, then when they eventually go in the battle, that would have been so yeah. much more powerful. Then, we, they, they then got, we would care. Yes. They got trigger happy. They skipped over a foundational portion of the story, which was how did Honor get banished? to Basilis Station. She got banished to Basilis Station because she embarrassed the fuck out of the Admiralty. I, just from this, I am not excited to read book two. I, and you know, I don't think very many people were excited about it because uh, book one came out a year ago and there's really not a whiff of book two on the horizon. So this is, it's really tough to swallow. I mean, Tales of Honor is put out by Top Cow. It's an image, uh, image mm-hmm. partner. And, you know, they have money. This didn't suck because they didn't care. Yeah, Top Cow isn't known for putting out crap. Well, and I wouldn't say that the book was crap. I, I think that Somebody got the scope wrong. Somebody uh, got the writing wrong. Um, And I think the big thing is the scope. They tried to do the entire uh, 464-page novel in five floppies. I still think it's a matter of focus. Because... If you had picked... um, Elements from the 464-page novel, and you had enunciated those, but they tried to encapsulate the entire novel. They tried to encapsulate everything, and it was too distracted without giving us enough focus on any of the individual characters to grow our attachments, our sympathies, our... Uh, to hate any of the characters, even the uh, they mentioned the duelist, yeah, 
Um, yeah, the the cravenly dog who who fights and kills just for money. And there's young Lord Pavel. Did you hate Pavel? No, I didn't why, care about why him. Why didn't you hate him? I didn't you know sh- him. You should have hated Pavel. I didn't know him. You should have despised Pavel. You should have wanted Pavel to die a horrible and cruel death. Yeah, because you did in the book. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, and this one is just another guy. He's just a guy who said, "I'm going to screw Honor Harrington." And, Bye. And <laughs> it kind of made uh, the what you got in the graphic novel kind of made you want to hate the government in the society that allowed Pavel yes. to do yeah. that. Yeah, which yeah. leads back to why are we supporting the Star Kingdom of Manacor? They sound pretty terrible, and the Havenites, man, they have a welfare system. They take care <laughs> yeah. of everybody. The Havenites, they uh, they at least make sure that you got your basic stipend. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I'm I'm going to give this a pass. I'm going to, you know, yeah. If th- you're out there and you have not bought this yet, don't. I'm going to tell you not to check it out from the library. Or better yet, apparently, Don't. read the book. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to say um, read the book. Hopefully um, they can bring it back in the next series. Now, they, they've they been doing a bunch of multimedia. Uh, they're trying to get traction for a big screen. And um, not with this book, they won't. N- yeah. Not with the graphic novel. Um. They actually put out a um, uh, an app that allows you to experience a little bit of what combat is like in the universe. Um, I for- well, hopefully it's not as boring as it is yeah. in the graphic novel. <laughs> if, if it's anything like the graphic novel, I'm not going to get that app just because I'll be bored. <laughs> like, like I like I said before, I, I always believe that you know really good um, space warfare would be like uh, the high tech submarine battle games, right? You yeah. Know, yeah. From dis- you're, you're fighting from distance because submarines kind of like space, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, the perfect example of submarine warfare was the original series Star Trek episode. Um, I think I know what you're talking about. A balance of terror, where the Federation first encounters the Romulans after there's been a treaty with the Romulans for hundreds of years, and they've forgotten what the Romulans look like. And during the episode, they actually see the Romulans, and they realize that Romulans and uh, Vulcans are descendants from each other. But you... In Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> In case you didn't know, Romulans and Vulcans are descendants from each other. And, and if you haven't watched the entire TNG, you have learned eventually that we're all descendants of each other and we are all seated by the yeah, same. Yeah, because we were seated by the great architects or whatever the, yeah, they call they, them. They, yeah. So I'm a just. A, uh, you share DNA relative. with Klingons, oh, Klingon. Romulans, and Vulcans. Well, it, it's why we all have four limbs and, right. and two eyes and a mouth and a nose. And, you know, you may have little green things sticking out from your heads, and you may have knobbly the ridges on your forehead. The only green thing sticking out from my head is snot. We share common seats. I got it. Okay, so as as part of Comic Club, we're saying 
Tales of Honor, Secret Fleet. Oh, it's a game. Yeah. It's a game. It's going to spend 140 minutes walking you through why your crew hates you before you're allowed to like <laughs> get them all killed at the end. Well, I have No, it won't explain why your oh, crew no, hates it's, you. It's just make them hate you. <laughs> <laughs> It'll say, you lost the battle games. You, you tell your hands battle stations and half of them refuse. What do you do? Wait, that's not the game I wanted to play. North, south, east, west. So... Recommendations for next week. So, you, I think we're getting all like thumbs down. What is it? No, no colors. This is rated zero, yeah. zero colors on our four color chart. All right. Um, overall, I'd have to give it a um, one point five stars um, out of five because they tried. They tried. I think their scope was wrong. Their focus was wrong. I would give it an even 50%, two and a half if we're doing that, two colors out of four. Um, I, I would give it the sideways thumb if I were a, a Roman Siskel emperor. Siskel and Ebert, yeah. yeah. Like, me, I'd give it somewhere between half a star and a star. I know, because I it's, say it's a, It's really, really hard for me to give this they tried but they failed miserably good production quality bad storytelling yeah and if you don't tell a good story you don't win you lose miserably so this review is probably going to eat us in the kick us in the butt <laughs> when we go to kamikaze <laughs> <laughs> so you think I'm a bad storyteller huh <laughs> no no I just think whoever your editor was was terrible I edited it myself well there you go I learned that <laughs> I learned that in college you cannot edit yourself I'm thinking next week there was this um, I'm not going to tell you guys to read something that uh, I already have read I'm going to tell you something to read something that I want to read based okay. on reviews and that's called uh, the Manhattan Projects Manhattan Projects? Yes. It's, uh, the story's by Jonathan Hickman. Art is by Nick Pitaro. Colors by Chris Peter. It's an image comic book. It's uh, kind of an alternate World War II Manhattan Project. But mm. um, what came out of the Manhattan Project wasn't just the atomic bomb. It was um, soup, kind of bizarre scientific people. Um I don't want to get any more into that. It's a running book, but they, they've done three volumes in graphic novels, so we'll do volume one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned World War II and alternate this and alternate that, and I immediately went back to uh, my love of military history and uh, what-if scenarios for uh, especially World War II. You know, what if... Uh, uh, what if Hitler hadn't been a micromanaging megalomaniac who um, forced his people to chase all these bizarre research projects and uh, not focus on the things that they knew were actually uh, winning the war? And what if Hitler could actually delegate? Yeah. What if What if Hitler could delegate? What if uh, uh, What if they had uh, developed the weapon systems that the generals wanted and not the weapon systems that Hitler wanted. Because Hitler had this thing with giant, 
He wanted giant tanks. He wanted giant fortifications. He wanted... Small penis syndrome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he was definitely suffering from some Napoleonic uh, uh, syndrome. Short mustache, short stature, short willy. <laughs> he wanted giant artillery guns. He wanted giant tanks. He wanted giant fortifications. In fact, I heard that uh, he was so... It was widely known that he was self-conscious about his, his Johnson... So much so, that's why they start, the Americans started calling their Jeeps Willies. <laughs> Just, uh, they would always have an excuse to be talking about Willies anytime the Germans intercepted a communicate. <laughs> that's what made him paranoid and ultimately cost him the war. They thought our, ho- our whole uh, offensive effort was just to make fun of his junk. That's E.J. Willie. But... Um, yeah, this this sounds intriguing just from uh, just from the title and just from your initial description of it. Yeah, yeah. So um, we'll we'll purchase that like the responsible, of course, uh, geeks that we are. Yeah, yeah. That's the ticket. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's available on Amazon. Okay. Well, we spent a lot of time talking about this book we didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> Thirty minutes. <laughs> Manhattan Projects Volume 1, Science Bad. Science Bad, okay. Oh, only uh, $12.12. Hey, that's not bad. That's 144 pages, folks. You're in for a light on the wallet week. And hopefully, um, heavy on the entertainment this week. (laughs) That might be a welcome change of pace. (laughs) All right, so that's our recommendation for next week's comic club. We're gonna we're gonna read and talk about Manhattan Projects Volume One, Science Bad, available at Amazon. And who's that by again? Uh, Jonathan Hickman. Okay. And you know, sometimes we do taste test and eat stuff on on the show, just because it's been known to happen. And I don't know about you, but. I, I really enjoy the Lay's potato chip flavors when they when they do that crazy nonsense because then you get gross stuff back and I'm all about eating gross stuff. <laughs> I'm also all about not saying all about. So next time I get to say that, I'm going to bite my tongue. <laughs> but the Lay's potato chips finalist flavors were chosen and mine were not among them. Because um, I, I, I chose flavors like Smart Bomb which was all their peppers. And coleslaw, which was, you know, yummy cabbage and mayo yeah. and dill. What they went for were the the flavors of the Greek town the Greek town gyro. Okay. Euro. Huh? Euro? It's it's spelled euro or pronounced euro. Yeah, I've had some Somebody corrected me and said, when I said gyro, Uh and they said gyro, I said, I looked at them. They're a moron. They were selling it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just because they're selling it. Just because you're a moron doesn't mean you can't sell it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I looked at them and paused for a moment, and this was exactly it. I I said, gyro, they said gyro, and I said, Pause. Look at them. 
Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the other flavor is West Coast Truffle Fries. Okay, truffle oil is big right now in the culinary world. It's been big for like 10 years. Yeah, but the the truffle oil that they put on potato chips is not real truffle oil. Um, well, it, it's, it's uh, we can look up how it's, it's like truffle oil that you squeeze off of dirty gym socks. Then it's, the next flavor is southern biscuits and gravy. Now I love me some biscuits and yeah. gravy, but I'm not sure I'd yeah. like it on potato chips. And then the last flavor of the four, do us a flavor, is the New York Reuben. Mm, I mm. love Rubens. Uh, I totally love Rubens. No, I don't know how that's going to taste on a chip. I mean, I think biscuits and gravy is going to be good because you're going to get that creamy salt and pepper. That's pretty much what it's yeah. going to be. Yeah, creamy salt it's going to be a salt and pepper. Okay, so can we get these chips and can we taste they them? They will become available in your grocery supermarket store. Y- you didn't like order bags of these when they were being tested? They just got announced. They're not even for sale yet. Okay. They just announced these this week. Okay, so these haven't been selected or competed yet? No, no. The Lay's Company chose their best four flavors, they thought, from all the people playing their stupid game about making the the, the chips. And, you know, and and then we're going to be able to eat these and vote on them. But that's, I think, where they're missing their mark. Because if they have a flavor generator... You should be able to custom order your bag of chips. Damn straight. How freaking great would that Damn be? Damn straight. I am going to order. I would pay $10 to be able to get the uh, the ginger, wasabi, uh, whatever, by potato mail, chips. Anytime by mail, want. anytime I want. Single bag, 10 bucks. Yeah. Because you would be able to get your flavor. You can get, you can get bacon jalapeno cheddar. When I wanted to get the Jaeger schnitzel uh, flavored potato chips, mm-hmm. I would pay ten dollars a bag for that. It's like uh, our friends up north, up to the north, say uh, Lay's ketchup chips are the best. Mm-hmm. I've never had them. I've got to try them. Ketchup flavored chips. Now, when I was in Egypt, uh, one of the favorite uh, Pringles flavor there was seafood Pringles, with like. Shrimp and fish. And yeah, the Asian countries have a lot of like seafood and salmon flavored chips, yeah. snacks, and stuff. So maybe I'll mail order some ketchup so we can try and see what all the hubbub is. But this, we're gonna have to do it. I don't know if we did the all the chips on the show the last time with the mango salsa and the macaroni, the bacon macaroni. Yeah. And the wasabi ginger. I definitely, oh man, those wasabi ginger. They were great. great. These flavors do not sound appetizing to me, but I will try them as long as. Just so I can be part of this Lay's chip. As long as we don't try to put them on a donut? As long as we don't put them on a donut or in a sandwich. Well, this is. Chips belong in a sandwich. (laughs) Yeah. Cappuccino. I like the cappuccino. Everyone says, everyone says, hands down, cappuccino was the worst one. But it, it just goes to show, that, I mean, you know, the cliche about nerds doing anything to get laid. It's a pun. Anyhow. All right, we might need a, an edit clap for that. 
But I do like the idea of like your custom flavor uh, chip. Like punch in what you want. They'll print it on the bag. And then you get your chips. I can have my cappuccino chips all the time. We can have our wasabi ginger chips all the time. Um, we can have peanut butter chips all the time. You know I would I make peanut butter flavored chips. Oh, I would be so fat again. I'd be 400 pounds like, all over again. <laughs> I need me some chicken fried steak chips. That's what I need. Oh, yeah. Maple chips. Maple chips. What was that? Yeah. Waffles. The chicken and waffles chips, right? Yeah, that, that, that would be good. Uh, yeah, they they made that. that. Yeah, it was... Uh, I never saw it. It was them. interesting. But then I wasn't looking for them either. Yeah, I, I make a beeline down the the cookie and chips aisle every time I go to the grocery store to see if they have any of the strange flavored Oreos or the strange flavored chips. Yeah, I stay away from the seasonal chips and stuff just because I'll end up buying stuff and eating crap I don't need. <laughs> they need to make um, cookies and cream flavored uh Lays. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, sometimes at the parties and stuff where I make the cinnamon and sugar tortilla chips, they taste like a churro, but they're tortilla chips. Yeah. 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 They, they, you should be able to buy those. Why doesn't anybody make that all the time? Cinnamon, sugar, tortilla chips. What the heck, man? What's so freaking hard about that? If you got like millions of Mexican families making those for, for their own families for, just whatever we do all the time 20 plus years yeah <laughs> and i can't go buy a pre-made bag of cinnamon sugar tortilla chips what the heck all right man you're making me hungry i can go get lime chips i can go get you know chili chips i can get oh what's that uh you know what the excellent flavor is one of my most favorite flavors of the lays it's that uh, tapatio mm. okay okay you usually have to hit a vallarta for it but man, I cannot, I can't buy those anymore because you just it's it's so hot and flavorful, and you just can't put them down. It, any potato chip is uh, lives on borrowed time when it's around me. Yeah, yeah. Like I told Sarah all the time, just get those single packs, man, because that's the only way. If I have a big bag open, I'm going to devour the <laughs> yeah. whole thing. You can't eat just one. No, I can't. Anyway. As my doctor can attest. I, I can't eat just one bag. <laughs> That's right. I have to eat the bag. Have to eat the bag. I just have to eat the bag. Okay, so, you know, we were talking earlier that SDC wrapped up. San Diego Comic-Con wrapped up. Uh-huh. And we didn't go. So we didn't experience it like we normally do. And it didn't feel like it was all in the news like it usually is. And I don't know if it's because I become hyper aware of it when I'm going. Or because this year just not as big. I know Marvel wasn't there in its official capacity this year, and may never be there again. I'm just I'm guessing. I don't know. The only news story I heard about Comic Con at all was the big push for Star Wars. Star Wars. Carrie uh, Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford repeating their kiss on stage. Yep. Did you see that picture? I did not. I'd like not. Grandma and Grandpa making it. <laughs> <laughs> So they're they're pimping the uh, Star Wars Force Awakens, which comes out in December, December this year. Yeah, I think it's like Christmas sixteenth. It's not going to yeah. open on Christmas Day. That would be ridiculous. No. They need all of your kids' uh, vacation time money. So yeah, yeah so mid December Star Wars Force Awakens. Uh, I'm sure I'll be in that seat. Yeah, and probably opening day. 
I'm not sure uh, if I'm going to see it. I, I'm not going to go opening day because um, at during the holidays I fly back east and I spend time with my my family. And one of the things that we have to do is go see the big holiday blockbuster together. So looks like they'll be going opening day around midnight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I haven't seen a Star Wars movie in the theater since episode one. That put me off of Star Wars. Yeah, that's totally understandable. Yeah, but uh, evidently most of us nerds are more forgiving than you are. Oh, I'm a bastard. I'm, no. I'm, I was a stand-in-line opening day for, well, all of them. Well, and yeah, I remember downloading the trailer for Star Wars Episode One over a 56K modem. And oh yeah, that yeah. took hours to download the trailer. You, you kids nowadays, you don't know how good you have it with broadband and Wi-Fi and cable modems. And you're just yeah. saying a whole bunch of words right now that they don't even understand. Most of the kids that like listen to stuff on. Yeah, yeah, they're like, it's just the, the the cable guy comes in and plugs it up, and then I have fast on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Programming? You mean like touching the screen? <laughs> I plugged it in. What more do you want? So there was a, a big push for uh, Star Wars Force Awakens. A um, lot of pimping of the Batman v Superman. Oh yeah, we we were watching the the new extended trailer with uh, Jason right before the show. I yeah. had a nerdgasm. Oh my gosh, yeah, <laughs> it looked good, and you see a little bit of the reasoning with, behind Bruce Wayne, yeah. yeah, going against Superman, like that part where you saw the the laser take down the building. Yeah. In the in the story, one of Bruce's friends and employees was in the building and perishes. So that's that's Bruce's motivation for thinking Superman's just another bad, crazy alien that he's got to fight. And I like the fact that Wonder Woman's there, and she is ridiculously hot. Well, this is Dawn of Justice, so this movie does... This... this okay, so <laughs> like a classic comic book, this whole thing starts out with the two heroes fighting due to a misunderstanding. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, any episode, any issue of any comic, when you say, like, Superman versus Spider-Man, it's because there was a misunderstanding and they solve it with fisticuffs. Because that's what our heroes do, folks. When they have a misunderstanding, they beat the hell out of each other. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like any schoolyard disagreement. So, we see that, and, and then we see Wonder Woman, and there was some sort of firefight on the streets. No. Um, the actress is uh, like an Israeli supermodel mm. or uh, actress. Actress, yeah. yeah. A Gal Gadot, is that right? Gail Gadot, got it. Yeah, something like that. Gal Gadot. Gal. Yeah. And it almost sounds like she should be in the Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like she, it would be, <laughs> who's that? That's Drax the Destroyer, and Gal got it. <laughs> They'll get the Infinity Stones away from Thanos. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, her name was totally. Her agent was a fan of Stan Lee. Yeah, when he said, "No, your your actress name should be Gal Gadot." 
Right, because Stanley likes the alliteration and the Peter Parker. And well, Bruce it was Banner. easier to remember. Fantastic P-P- Four. B-B. R-R. You don't have to remember a lot. Right. <laughs> Especially when you just make enough shit at the top of your head. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of nerdgasm, though, I mean, right after we watched the uh, Batman v Superman trailer, we watched the trailer for Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Okay, oh. so we've been we've been tearing Suicide Squad apart with all the stills that we've seen yeah. and everything for, like, ever, right? Ever since Jared Leto's picture came up and he looked like some guy doing a bad Marilyn Manson at Halloween. Yeah. And then you see the Batman on the cars drive by behind the scenes, and then we see this trailer. And this trailer looks freaking amazing. It was transcendent. (laughs) Jason transcended something. You might have to have the seat cleaned. So Harley Quinn is played by um, Robbie. What's her name? Um, okay. She's from. Uh, she did a famous nude scene in the yeah, Wolf, Wolf of Wall, Wall Street. Street. Yeah. Um, Margot Robbie. Yeah, she plays Harley Quinn. D- absolutely delectable, delectable actress. Yeah, uh, hot, yeah. hot. <laughs> Jack Stammering just from the uh, the, the trailer. <laughs> She she's pretty. She's pretty. Yeah. She she does Harley Quinn. I think she does Harley Quinn justice. She's got kind of a little bit of the cutesy thing that's supposed to have, but not over the top. She's not like a bubblegum girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and she kind of does the crazy. She, I I could see crazy in there. Well, woman. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, what I didn't know uh, before I saw the. Um, the Comic-Con trailer for the movies. I did not know that Will Smith was going to be in the movie. Oh, I did. I knew Will Smith was going to be in the movie. I, I didn't Deadshot. know. Deadshot. Will Smith is going to be Will Smith was going to be Deadshot. And that was another nerdgasm right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, see, Jared Leto is like a super talented actor. And then when I saw those stills, I thought, oh, my God, this is going to suck. Now, okay, so he's played everything, but apparently what he can't play is the Joker. That's <laughs> yeah. so like, okay, everybody's got a limit, right? You know, like, uh, like Dirty Harry said, man's got to know his limitations. <laughs> so suicide, appara- suicide Squad is over a year from now. We're talking August of 2016. That's tough. Yeah. That's tough. I wonder how much... Gosh, you know they've they've done so much in the primaries already. I mean, they, they must be done with primary shooting if they got a trailer. Yeah, um, it's in the can. They're doing post production now. So yeah, um, but uh, just just Leto's performance that we saw in the trailer changed my mind. Yeah, changed my mind. It's a different. Joker than we're used to, or than we've come to expect from the Dark Knight trilogy. It's not the same guy. I don't think you're going to get it anyways. I mean, what, Christian Bale, Bale on Batman. I think he does regret it. Yeah. But who's to say that uh, Heath Ledger wouldn't have, would have reprised his role anyway? Because, you know, he was gaining... Momentum as yeah. a talented actor. 
as well. So he might have not wanted to be pigeonholed under, you know, the Joker. Um, we probably, if he didn't die, we probably would have had Joker in the third movie. Yeah. But, uh, I, from, from the trailer, I'm excited to see this movie now. This is the anti-Fantastic Four. <laughs> you mean good? <laughs> it's going to be good. It's bad guys making a good movie rather than good guys making a bad movie? Yeah. Okay, so I still have hopes for Fantastic Four. Um, mm. After sitting down and reading uh, The Ultimate Fantastic Four, uh, there were things that I didn't like about the story there were things i didn't like about uh, the universe that this particular fantastic four lived in but i'm interested to see where they take the story Uh, because this is um the ultimate fantastic four um comic book line uh, which was 60 80 books i forget how many 60 60 books 60 books in a universe unto itself. Yes. Yeah. As apparently, you know, what hurt DC, I think, a long time ago was Batman, Superman. They felt like universes unto themselves. And now it looks like DC's correcting that and bringing everything over. Marvel is becoming compartmentalized in its universes. You know, you have, you have the Avengers. And, yeah, there's some crossover with Guardians of the Galaxy. And there should be, right, with all the core Avengers. Yeah. But now, but you are not. You have outliers. You've got um, the Fantastic Four, which is going to totally live outside of whatever's going on in New York and off-world. And you're going to get another Spider-Man reboot because apparently Spider-Man's his own fucking universe. And we need to see the same Spider-Man story over and over <laughs> and over again. So Sony's getting this new version of Spider-Man pushed forward. They got the writing team. They got the writing team assembled. They've got the Spider-Man cast, some little kid. Um, and They've got the Tom hottest Holland. Aunt May ever. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I, I never, ever, really, ever thought never, once about drilling Aunt May. You never fantasized about uh, boinking Aunt May. Until this week when, they, when it's rumors are pointing to, I think, I don't know if they've had any confirmation, but... Marissa Tomei is going to play Aunt May. And I'm going to touch myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, MILFs are hot. and It's, uh, it's Cougar Town. <laughs> yeah. Right, Aunt May. Jeez. Peter's the most popular boy in school. No, they're just here to see you again, Aunt May. Jeez, put a bra on, will you? <laughs> Think how the old ladies never heard bra. <laughs> Walking around She's the tank a child top. from the yeah. 60s. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, May's going to be hot. No wonder Dr. Octavius is always trying to get in her pants. <laughs> I didn't say I wanted to kill her. I said I wanted to drill her. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. They, oh, I, I always wanted Arnold Schwarzenegger to play Dr. Octavius. Is he in... No, 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 but I'm just saying, as long uh, as we're going to fuck everything like in the air, <laughs> let's get let's get the governor in there to play Doc Ock to do it right. And and I would understand him trying to drill Marissa Tomei. You know. <laughs> well, he probably has tried, <laughs> and who knows? I don't know. I don't see Schwarzenegger as Octavius. No, never. No. 
Because Octavius wasn't a big, muscly guy. He was this little nerdy dude with really bitching arms. Yeah, that's probably why I make the connection, though. Because his arms were super powerful and awesome. I think Arnie can make his arms do what he wants. He wouldn't. He won't have the problem like that other guy did. Yeah. Where he's arguing with his, the AI in his in his tentacles. Now that Alfred it, Molina, it wasn't in any of the uh, Sandy the Comic Con stuff, but uh, Arnie is reprising his role of Conan. Yeah, King Conan's gonna happen. Oh, really? Yeah, so he's gonna be old, co- old, old Conan. That's a, the king. Yeah, it's gonna like totally skip over like you know the pirates and getting his own army, getting his own kingdom. To he's already has it, and now I think he's got to save his kingdom. And then they can go back with a different actor and do those. Yeah, yeah. But King Conan, man, that's a movie that I've been waiting for forever. Because you didn't necessarily have to be whatever. I'm not really down with Pirate Conan. Yeah. Now, I'm hoping that they'll do what they did with Conan the Destroyer and make it PG-13 so that they can get the big box office and I can go see it. Yeah, but I totally love the uh, the Jason Momow rated R oh, yeah. Conan. Did you see that new Conan? With no. Jason Momow. No. They did a Conan so. remake a few years ago. Uh-uh. With the guy from Game of Thrones who played Drago. Drago? Cal Drago. Yeah. Yeah, didn't see it. It was a really good movie. It, it was. was it better than the original Conan movie, which didn't make any fucking sense at all? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I would have to... S- Okay, because I love the original Conan so much, and to say that something was better than the original Conan, I loved the first the first two Conan movies. The original Conan was the very first crazy sword and sorcery movie that looked good. That looked great. Everything else was suffered from well, it, cheesiness. It looked amazing, but the story just—I kept—I've watched it four times, and I still don't really know what happened. <laughs> Bad guy killed his family. He grew up as a slave. It's a revenge movie. What more do you need to know? It's like, like he walks up at the end of the movie, cuts off James Jones' head, and we're done. There's like, no big fight at the end. I'm like, what? <laughs> Conan was a thief, too. I mean, I really love the scene where they infiltrated the cult. Yeah. That was awesome. Remember they infiltrated yeah. the cult, the cult with the the snake, and, and then Sandel uh-huh. Bergman. Oh gosh, yeah. she was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And she went out hard, and it was just an arrow. I mean, you know, we see worse in the Rambo movie, but you really felt it. Conan, yeah. Conan felt it. Yeah. So the the 2011 version of Conan. Um, it had uh, Ron Perlman. It had Rose McGowan. It had Jason Momow. Um, it had great special effects, great fight scenes. It had sorcery. It, um, and the sorcery felt real. It wasn't like crazy Dungeons and Dragons over the top sorcery. He was doing sorcery, but it didn't look fantastically out of place. It didn't look like he was whipping up a, a lightsaber out of nothing. There was sorcery in there. 
but it felt very organic. organic. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a buzzword of the day. We probably should stop using. <laughs> Doesn't feel organic. So, um, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I've got an organic feeling for you. <laughs> you want to feel something organic, <laughs> literally? I, I just thought that uh, Jason Momau did a great job of looking like the the barbarian. He, he was, yeah. Um, and it, it was a fun movie. It it it, it was everything in a Conan movie that I wanted. Oh man! So hopefully, King Conan gets some of that uh, grittiness. I, if it's freaking like Rambo, I'll be happy. Where Conan just comes and, and viscerally slices everyone's head off with with fountains kills of everyone. Conan kills them all. I mean, I'm, I'm, Conan that'll be fine. Versus the world. I think they're going to do another. Ram- I think Sly's doing another Rambo movie. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, because that the last that Rambo franchise will never die. No, it's uh, it puts butts in theaters. People want to like go see it, and, and it's worldwide way better than it's domestic. Yeah. So, what he like decimated Burma last time? Yeah. <laughs> Rambo frees Burma. <laughs> yeah. Where is he going next? <laughs> okay. Well, while we're wrapping up San Diego Comic Con, let's let's talk about Supergirl. Now, we've. Several people at this table right now have seen the Supergirl pilot. Jason, have you seen I it? have not seen the Supergirl pilot, but from the trailer, I was not overly excited. I want to see the show, but I don't think it'll be as good as the CW shows that they have on right now. The CW superhero shows. Oh, not like Dawson's Creek? Flash and Arrow. Because I think it reminded me a lot about like Dawson's Creek when Pacey moved to the city and he got the job in the restaurant cutting potatoes. And you make fun of me for watching what? <laughs> <laughs> so it really felt like, you know, um, Supergirl meets Felicity and Sex in the City. And Yeah. I, I thought it was... A wee lamb based at this show. Yeah, in a, a couple of uh, podcasts ago, we uh, we hammered this pretty hard, but I, I just thought it was it was patronizing but, and. But um, what brings it up is that we've noticed it's getting positive traction on the internet and some of the critical and, uh, reviews. There's some websites that I normally like. Uh, value like the, their opinions, like the like positive story in IO9. IO9. Um, IO9 giving it uh, gave it a glowing review from one of their uh, one of their contributors, and I'm just wondering were they watching the same pilot that I did, um, where Supergirl was this bumbling, incompetent. Uh, now, okay, so the story looks incredibly out of place given the dark turn the DC universe. I mean, the DC has embraced. The darkness, with Batman being super dark, and Superman going dark. Um, Suicide Squad is is pretty much the Guardians of the Galaxy set on Earth. 
These are the the heroes we Gotham doesn't want, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, just like uh, like in in the third was it the second one? Second one? It's not the hero you want. It's the hero you need. need. These are the heroes they don't want, and they don't necessarily need. <laughs> these are the, these are like you know this is the dirty dozen. This is the expendables of. Yeah. Of the, the Rogue DC Gallery, yeah. yeah. The the Dirty Dozen is a really good uh, an, analogy, analogy there. Yeah. So what DC has given us is dark universe, dark universe, dark universe. Arrow, yeah. dark universe, uh, dark universe. Yeah, definitely. So DC has given us Even dark Flash, universe to a certain degree. Is pretty agreed. dark. Agreed. And now we've got this bubblegum, bright, uh, ditzy, okay. cute. Yeah, the bat is Funny. going to kill her brother or her cousin. The bat's going to kill her cousin. The bat and the whole world either loves, deifies, or hates Superman, and we get Felicity in a Supergirl costume. One of these things is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't belong. I mean, at, at, at this point, Jason is attempting to sing a song from Sesame, Sesame Street. Street. Oh, Sesame Street. I know, I should lie. <laughs> and there's actually no visual component that you can't interpret, uh, but I thought that the audio, com- audio component might be difficult to interpret, too. So, Okay. You, Although there was the, the head motion rocking back and <laughs> yeah. forth. So, I mean, rebooting Birds of Prey would be a better bet in the current DC Universe yeah. than Bubblegum Supergirl. The thing, watching the pilot for Supergirl, it made me think of uh, the 80s television show, or it helped me even be the 70s, The Greatest American Hero, where he had the bumbling school teacher that had found the super suit but lost the instructions. Yeah, I love that show. I loved it too. I remember Supergirl should not be the bumbling guy from Greatest American Hero. And that's the overwhelming sense that I got from the trailer or from the pilot. She is a super heroic she is a super alien that lacks confidence and wants a boyfriend. And you know, how short can my skirt be? And does this cave go with my eyeshadow or Oh, I hope I hope my boss the the, the Devil Wears Prada isn't yes. mad at me this week. <laughs> Devil Wears Prada meets uh, Greatest American Hero. Um, that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's the show. Thanks for making that. Fits right in the Dark DC Universe. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? <laughs> WTF. <laughs> I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it, I too. Don't, I don't know why I'm going to watch it. <laughs> I'm going to watch it because I like seeing, uh, what's her name, Melissa... Benoist. Benoist uh, parade around in a little short skirt. I mean, she... Yeah, it's it's. I'm going to watch it like, because I like superheroes, but I don't know how long I'm going to watch it. That's the thing. Is yeah. it going to hold my attention? It's, yeah, as as crazy as everything went, I'm probably actually looking more forward to the Heroes Reborn oh. series than I am Supergirl. Speaking of Nerdgasm 3. Yeah. <laughs> Nerdgasm Part 3, yeah. Yeah, there's basically a puddle under my chair. Heroes <laughs> Reborn, we, we reboot, we're, we're not rebooting, we are, we are rejoining 
the survivors of the original Heroes series. It looks like we're we're coming in a few years after the end of Heroes season four, where all the meadows are what they call meadows or e- evos evolved. Yeah, evolved humans are in hiding or dead or pretending they're dead, and it's, there's some type of uh, cataclysmic event on the horizon bringing them out. Yeah, it's basically an X-Men story. The Sentinels are coming. Yeah, so you can make fun of me for watching uh, Glee. There was uh, plenty of hot uh, young young female (laughs) teen actresses. Glee also known as Pitch Perfect, the series. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we're all we're all. Excited about uh, Heroes Reborn. Hopefully it won't drop the ball in the last season like the yeah. last one. God. last two seasons of Heroes were terrible. I, I only ever watched season one and two. I never mm. watched season three and four. I, I liked all four seasons. I didn't think they were as good as the first two seasons. Right. But I didn't think they were horrible. They were 90% not as good as the first two seasons. <laughs> They were 10% good. <laughs> I'm being positive. <laughs> I wanted more to happen better. And it just kind of got crazy. It just got crazy. Yeah. Um, keep the story small and then keep the story the story. But once you try to like save the world all the time, that's a problem that I have with all these superhero movies. And that's a problem that I think that's great with the Daredevil series that, that you know addresses it. Like once you go big, once you save the, the world, the planet Earth, what do you do next? Well, you got to save the entire universe from uh, Ronan the Accuser, and then and after that, you've got to save all of known, uh, all of known reality. You have to save from, the multiverse from Thanos, and then you've got to whatever. Yeah, you know, and all the time that's happening. Bigger, better deal. Daredevil's in Hell's Kitchen fighting bad guys with his fist. Yeah, yeah. His whole thing is, I got to take down the kingpin. That's all he wants to do. Well, he's just trying to, you know. And it's not, he doesn't even got anything personal against the Kingpin for being there. It's any criminal that would run, could the, run yeah. in and do that. Kingpin's trying to uh, redevelop his neighborhood. He's it, protecting his neighborhood. It's an interesting. It's interesting to see the villain from his point of view, in that he's not doing a bad thing. It's he's doing un tasteful things in an effort to accomplish a greater good. He's very Nietzsche-esque. The means justify the end. Yeah. He's Machiavellian. He, he has a vision. His vision is appealing. Yeah, and if you got to bust a few heads and kill a few reporters and... Pay off a few mayors. Pay off a few politicians, a few I mean, cops. If they were good guys, you couldn't pay them off, right? right. Yep. It's like the old con game, right? Con men don't feel bad because what's the axiom? You can't con an yeah. honest man. So if you can con somebody, they were bad and they deserve it. So um, let's hope heroes can kind of capture that small immediacy grassroots we need a grassroots hero just from the trailer you know it's not going to be small 
<laughs> it's another cataclysmic <laughs> event. <laughs> They've got to save the world from Thanos and Roman the Accuser. It's it's a world reaching. Every mutant is. And that's where the new Fantastic Four movie is going to suck because it immediately gives us the negative zone and probably pops something open and Reed has to save the universe from something on the other side while the military is trying to stop them. Well, I, I can pretty much tell you exactly what the the Because it's going to be the ultimate book. It's going to be the ultimate book. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to suck. I, I enjoyed the Ultimates book. It it was it was different, and yes, it's it's Doogie Richards. It wasn't. It was no trial of of Reed Richards, but uh, yeah, heroes. I have high hopes for it, but you're right. It does have a a huge world spanning thing, and I don't know where you're going to go from that. And what's harder is since it's uh, an NBC property, since it's a studio property, you know, it's it's off the rails. It was off the rails from day one. Yeah. You know, what can they do? When it looked like it was great and it excelled, when it was a super going around absorbing all the powers of others and killing them. Ultimates was 11 years ago. 11 years ago. Okay, so I was off by four years. Heroes was great when it was a, a story about supers manifesting their power and then one trying to collect them all. Yeah. That was an interesting yeah, story. Yeah, that, that was amazing. Um, but after it got into Crazy Land, and it's it's going to start in Crazy Land. It's obviously going to start in Crazy Land. Yeah. But it would be interesting if they can pare it down. You yeah. Know? You know, a, a series where they put the genie back in the bottle, that could be amazing. I mean, I think it goes against everything the studios want. <laughs> they don't want bigger, better. They, they they want bigger, better, more explosions, more everything. They don't want. Let's take it down now. Let's bring it down. <laughs> let's make the story a little bit more intense now. Let's 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 not go off planet anymore. Yeah, but we can hope. Okay. Anyway, so uh, next week, if you're playing along with the comic book reading club, then you are going to get the Manhattan. Projects Volume One available at Amazon for a measly twelve dollars and twelve cents. If you haven't got your Stan Lee Comic Kazi tickets yet, you can see us there October thirty first and November first. Yeah, we'll start pimping that more in the next few uh, podcasts. Yeah, and hopefully we'll get some teaser like studio shots up, and then videos pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, videos pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Still got to make the banner of my face. all right thanks for listening to the desperate mothers podcast i'm cj watson i'm jason rice and i am jack fisher hop on